Welcome to the Commonwealth Theatre Podcast. My name is Josiah Lobenstein, and today we've got an interview with Adrian Sweeney, our marketing director and a longtime company member. Adrian and I talk about the upcoming season. She's playing Scrooge in A Christmas Carol, and she got to try on the character for just a little bit at our yearly photo shoot. And also a quick note, uh, we recorded this podcast before COVID changed everything. I Ought to Be in Pictures, which Adrian is directing, is currently postponed, and we're not sure when it will take our main stage. But still, the postponement has done nothing to diminish Adrian's enthusiasm, her personal connection, and her love for this show, and we thought that, given everything, it would be nice to share in that joy and in that enthusiasm for just a little bit. Besides, it's a great conversation and you won't want to miss anything. So stay tuned. Hi everyone, it's Josiah Lobenstein with the Commonwealth Theatre Podcast and I am here with our very own Adrienne Sweeney. She is the marketing director, she is the associate artistic director and so many other things at this theater. So, hello, Adrian. <laughs> hello, Josiah. Hello, everyone. I'm many things. Yes, you are so many things to this theater. <laughs> and beyond. And beyond. Yeah. Yeah, well, welcome. We're very excited that you're you're here. I am so excited about this. I listened to the first two and they were so professional. I thought, oh, we're in the big leagues now. That's so right. I'm pretty I excited. I feel like Kristen Bell. <laughs> does she have a podcast? Uh, her husband, Dax Shepard, does. I can't believe I know these things. I know nothing. Uh, but yeah, Dax yeah. Shepard does and she's a guest on that's good. Yeah. Do you, so you listen to a lot of podcasts. You're like a podcast connoisseur. No, not really. I, I mean, generally speaking, I've always, you know, when cleaning or driving, I always listen to music, mm. um, jam out and sing along, which I think if you were in the office just a few seconds ago, you heard the dulcet, melodious tones uh, <laughs> that I bring to our work environment. Um, but... Um, I don't know what got me into podcasts. I, I'm kind of like a true crime okay. uh, fan, and there yeah. was a couple that just really got me into it, and then I started scrolling through, and I was like, oh, that sounds good, that sounds good, so yeah. Yeah, true crime is very, <sighs> very popular these days with pod- I think Serial set it off. Yeah, well, and what's cool about it is um, it doesn't demand the... the um, technology that like a mini series or like a TV series does and you can really get into it so I just listened to one on uh, the recommendation of a friend called Bear Brook and that was New Hampshire Public Radio and they were able to afford the time to really really dig into this crime and so you learn so much more about it so yeah well that is exactly what we do here, except not at all crime-related. Not at all true crime. <laughs> <laughs> Though I could tell you some stories. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we just finished, for those of you who don't know at the Commonwealth, we just finished a, a big video photo shoot thing where we, we do all of our promotional photos and all of our videos for the year uh, in February. So we have to like be prepared to dress up and look nice and all the production value. We bring in Sarah Peterson to take all of our photos. It's really crazy busy, crazy fun, hectic day. Uh, But what I want to touch on is because you put on for the first time your Scrooge costume and it was pretty cool to see. (laughs) What were some, what what did you feel? What were some thoughts and like feelings for like seeing yourself as Scrooge for the first time? Well, 
you know, for, for those who don't know, uh, this year we're doing a Christmas Carol, and I am playing Scrooge. And it is at once ter terrifying <laughs> and exhilarating. Um, because it is a thing that I never in my life thought that I would ever be able to do. Um, and so when you think, like, you know, when when something's off the charts, you can get, like, really bold and be like, yeah, I'd love to do that part. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, oh, I'd give them a leer like they never saw before, right? And then all of a sudden, now we're living in an era where it's like, why? Why can't we do that? Um, and so I jokingly used to say, you know, that Scrooge, I love A Christmas Carol. Everybody knows how much I love A Christmas Carol and, and the, the beautiful message in it. And I used to always say, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge is the, my role, the, the role that got away, uh, the role that never was. Right. <clears throat> and gosh, I forget who I was talking to. And I said, so, I think I said something to Philip. And he was like, well, well, why can't we? And, you know, and then, um... I guess a couple, three years ago, uh, American Theatre Magazine shows up in our office mm -hmm. and it's got a female Scrooge from the Dallas Theatre Center on it. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and so I started kicking this around and playing with it. And um, and then it, like people took me seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, right? right? Um, and so then uh, it was great. This costume fitting was great because these pieces just... They were all in our costume studio and storage, and they were never intended for that use. Mm -hmm. And then you like it's like Cinderella squirrels, right? You know, <laughs> like they start pulling these things out and handing them to you, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, here I am, and yeah. this is it. And I'm wearing a suit, you know, a, a suit jacket, and I'm wearing a top hat, but I'm wearing a big huge skirt and a petticoat and a ruffled yeah. collar and so to have all these things come together it was this interesting amalgamation of like Victorian era stuff that just sort of well not Victorian but you know like yeah this, and it just sort of like pieces together mm -hmm. and it becomes something entirely familiar and also entirely new yeah like it's a very familiar look to see Scrooge and yet it, it's so like cutting edge and yeah. interesting to see Scrooge with a petticoat yeah, and it's... Did you, yeah, so looking at, when you saw yourself in the mirror, were you like, yeah, I got this? Or was it like, oh my god, I have to do this? Um, yes, it was, <laughs> yes. Um, it, 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 yeah, that moment when I turned around and looked in the mirror, I was like, oh, damn, can I say, oh, damn, oh, damn, I am gonna do this. And, um... It's kind of irrelevant whether I can because I'm gonna, and I hope it doesn't fall flat on the ground. Um, but it felt really, um, you know, we, we all work together to put these pieces together. And, you know, there's, in the photo I wear this big ruby stone brooch, brooch, yeah. brooch, whatever it is, with a kind of like a ribbon under it. And it turns out it was from Dracula. Oh, and that wow. was really cool to figure out. Like, Jeremy saw me wearing it, and he was like, you know, that's from Dracula, and I thought, and then that was just another little piece. Yeah, it all and kind of connects. Yeah, yeah, and I thought, well, yeah, this, this is gonna, this is gonna happen, and it's gonna be really interesting. So, um, you probably haven't gotten into this, but I do have to ask, how your husband has played Scrooge a few times. Uh, 
do you think uh, that he's going to be giving you some pointers? Is there going to be this like, well, I've already done this role kind of dynamic? Are you know, have you already faced that, or are you kind of like, I am. I got this. I am a really collaborative actor to a fault. So I know that I will be like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Mm. What do you know? What in your experience? Like, I don't have that. I don't have, um, I'm not territorial at all. And I think for me, anything anyone can give me is always helpful to me. Even if I don't agree with it, it makes me articulate why I don't agree with it. And then I can speak it out. And that is very helpful to me. I am like... I do feel bad for Hal because I'll come home from rehearsal at like 10 o'clock at night and be like, all right, now we have to sit down and talk about all the things the director said to me and what do you think the director really meant and now you know the script really well, so what do you think on page five? And he's just like, I was just ready to go to bed. <laughs> um, so I don't think it'll be a problem That's good. because we are, we are a very collaborative team. That's good. Yeah, and it all kind yeah. of goes in the kettle, yeah. and it also yeah. stews together. And right. And I've had the real luxury of seeing and being a part of so many Christmas carols here that I just, you know, it's all this big stew pot, like you said. I have yeah. Jeremy's, I have was lucky enough to be Jeremy's Marley. You know, yeah. so I've got Jeremy's Marley, and I've got Scott Dixon's direction of my Marley, and I've got when I was, you know, Christmas past a million years ago, and... How many? How many would you say you? I think I, I think I've actually only done two or two or maybe three. Okay. But obviously, I've been here at the Commonwealth since two thousand one when I saw my first Christmas Carol here. And you know, for those who don't know, our adaptation is so vastly different. We do it with five adults and two kids, and yeah. it's a, it's a beautifully pared down adaptation that is so evocative. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a mark of, I mean, if you get into theater and acting, you just know you're going to work on Christmas Carol, like, I don't know, half a dozen times in your life, and you're going to see it so many times, because it's, it's this essential piece. So it is kind of fun to be like, well, I've seen so many people do this, and now I get to embody it myself. Uh, I mean, I've already been in, this will be my third Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah. Which is so, it's just fun. It's just kind of a fun piece of theater where you're like, yeah, I, I almost unifying, almost every actor that you'll come in contact with has done a Christmas Carol at some point in their life. And it's funny because, I mean, I know actors who kind of uh, toss it off a little bit, like, well, at least I know I'll be doing Christmas Carol, you know, <laughs> um, especially in the big equity houses where, sure. you know, their Christmas Carol has 92 million people in it. and Right, and they, they do it like every year. Uh, right, Some and you know the part year. that you're going to do every year. Yeah. But for me, again, what I love about this version is, what I love about this version is what I love about A Christmas Carol. It, it is a pared down, semi-ghost story that tells this beautiful tale of redemption or not. And I think, for me at least, it really hits home and it allows each person in the audience to, to kind of have a more personal, a more personal leaned in approach. So they're part of it versus sitting back at this big opulent thing. Which is, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, it, it's just a difference, you know, a difference. Yeah, and definitely I think uh, I'm, 
I'm sure it is more conducive to our space where you already kind of feel like you're a part of every show, right. you know, and so then this adaptation really probably leads into that. Absolutely. And Philip's playing, Philip, the director, is playing with uh, the idea of staging it in the round. So then that will be, I know you haven't heard that. Yeah. yeah. So that will be even more that sense of y'all are in there with us. You know, anybody who's sitting there is in it with us. That'll be, that's so interesting. Yeah. So that's your little taste of Christmas for <laughs> this Poor February. February, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but now I kind of want to switch tracks a little bit because uh, the first show of the season, uh, I Ought to Be in Pictures, you're, you're not in, but you're directing. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about I Ought to Be in Pictures for those of us who don't don't know the story super well? I Ought to Be in Pictures is by Neil Simon, of course, of the Odd Couple fame. Um, but it is one of his lesser known uh, comedies. And I would say it it is a poignant comedy so that it is very funny, but it is more plot and story driven and relationship driven yeah. um, than some of his earlier works, because this is one of his earlier ones, I think. Sure. Well, I definitely think there's only three characters in it, right? Yeah, there's Which only is, three characters, one room. Leans really heavy into those dynamics between those characters. Yes, and I have a an incredibly um, personal relationship with this script uh, in that it tells the story of a... Um, middle-aged kind of deadbeat dude who walks out on his family when his daughter is a child and she decides to hitchhike from New York City to LA um, on the premise of she wants him to make her a star you know she he's yeah. a screenwriter in air quotes and she's an actor <laughs> in air quotes and she's gonna hitchhike across America so her deadbeat dad can make her break her into Hollywood um, and that's the premise, and of course you realize uh, very shortly into the show that he is anything but successful, and she is anything but <laughs> successful. Um, and it, it really is about um, their relationship, such as it is. And for me, it is so much about her courage in taking that leap and that leap of faith, and those second chances, and what that means. And um, my parents split up when I was two and a half, and my dad was absentee, and what those, uh, I, know, I know firsthand how much confidence and courage and guts it takes to take that leap and I know that because I didn't have that, you know. Right. Um, for me, that my through line with this show is second chances and how seldom we get them, really, yeah. and how they don't just happen. You have to make the second chance yeah, happen. You, really you, have, create it, yeah. you have to create that. And as someone who didn't do that, um, what that means and how I love Libby. I love Libby. And I love Herb, too. The father and daughter relationship is always one that is at the core of my heart. Um, but it isn't just about father and daughter. You know, Herb and his, the relationship with Herb and his girlfriend is, is fascinating to me. And then the relationship between his daughter and his girlfriend and how they forged that uh, is fascinating to me. It's set in 79. It was written in the late 70s. So, you know, 
how women related to each other and the world is it's also been a fascinating reminder to me because yeah. of course you know I was growing up in that time so it's beautiful and I love it I always have <laughs> and I you know I just have always had a very very soft spot in my heart for it so you've kept this sort of in like your back pocket for a while like yes. when, when did it when did you first come in into touch with it when, oh, when was golly. it like you're like oh man I gotta work on this. Like, is this a I gotta work on this piece for you? Yeah, for it really time? is. And I can't recall when I first read it. Um, it was a number of years ago yeah. that I first read it. And it's always been in, it's one of those kind of weird pieces where I came to it late in my career, so I knew I could never be Libby uh, because she's 19. Yeah. And there's that bittersweet moment where you go, oh, that that ship has sailed. I can't be this person. Right. And, um, and so when I first approached the script, it wasn't as an actor. And then subsequently in the last number of years, I've been getting more deeply into directing. And when I reread it, it was with a director's vantage point. And I thought, oh, that's how I can tell this story. That, yeah. That's how I'm going to do this. So you, you've actually used this phrase, and I think Rachel uses this phrase, but like you say, your director brain. Yeah. I, I definitely, I always approach scripts, or have, and maybe I'm making this transition, but I've never approached it. I always look at a script as an actor, and I always like look at it through the eyes of being on the stage and this specific role, or you know, how would I do this? How would I do this? But you, you talk about this director brain. So tell us a little bit about, like, yeah. what's the difference? What's the approach as a director versus the approach as an actor? Well, for me, when I'm reading a script, um, I always approach it as an actor because that's what I am. That's how I started. And yeah. I never thought I could direct. And, you know, it was only because I've been at the Commonwealth that I have the opportunity to uh, have that experience. So I pick up a script and I and I read it as, a, as an actor. And then I can always tell... Like very shortly, very shortly in the reading of it, there's a shift. And Megan Pence and I used to talk about this. It's like you're on, you're you're looking at it. You either look at it from inside out as an actor. You're on the stage and you're looking mm -hmm. at it from inside out, and, and um, you you kind of fall into a character. And now all of a sudden you're reading it from that character. Yeah. And then every once in a while with those scripts, you kind of tumble out. And now you're looking at it from outside in. And that's exactly what happened to me with Silent Sky. I was like reading it uh, because somebody said, you have to read this. And because I'm an actor, I'm like, is there a role in it for me? Sure. And they're like, yes, the oldest woman. I'm like, cool, <laughs> okay, fine, they're great, I love it. And so I started reading it in, with that perspective. And very shortly, very shortly into it, I fell right off the stage and into the seats and I started seeing it from my outside, with my outside mm -hmm. eye. And then that's a thing that just happens and then it's almost like really hard to get back into it again. Like you're like, okay, I'll be in this if you want me to be in this, but I just always saw this. I saw this from the outside and, yeah. um, and that's how it is for me. We were talking about Jekyll and Hyde. You know, we were reading mm -hmm. Jekyll and Hyde and <clears throat> I started reading it as an actor and very shortly into it, I was like, boop, now I'm outside looking at it and I can see who's going to do what, and I'm such a visual person, you know, mm -hmm. what they're going to wear and where they're going to come from, and, you know. Um, so I do think that that director brain can sometimes, it just takes over before you even know it, that director eye, I guess. Yeah. Uh, 
in talking with directors, I, I've often heard this phrase where it's like, you're an advocate for the audience. Like, so you really are looking from oh, the yeah. outside in, and you're advocating for what the audience is going to see and hear and respond to. Uh, but I, I like that outside in sort of way of looking at it. I've never thought about it that way. You know, it's really funny because I guess no one has ever really articulated that, but it's funny, like, as an actor who, you know, you'll get a note. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, that's that's that wasn't what I was trying to do. And then the director will give you that audience perspective. And it's like, okay, but let me tell you what it's looking like from out here. And you're like, ooh. I mean, that's such a weird thing about being an actor, yeah. I always feel like, is you, what you feel like you're doing is so seldom what it looks like you're doing. <laughs> you know? And you need that director <laughs> to be like, so you're trying this thing, and it's just not reading. So we're going to make it read a little bit yeah. better by tweaking these things and these things. When I was in grad school, I tell the story that... Um, I don't know, I must have been, like, working really hard at, like, <laughs> showing you how emotional I was. And and I would get the notes, like, you know, I don't even know what the notes were. Um, but I just gave up. I was like, fine, fine, I'm just going to go in and I'm just going to say the dumb words. And it was a monologue class or whatever. Uh, and, the, and the teacher was like, Adrian, that was brilliant. That's the best you've ever done. That's exactly what we want. That's exactly what we need. And I said, I didn't feel anything and he said better we should feel it than you should feel it it's like all right well if i if i get nothing else from this tuition that that was worth it yeah well it's 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 interesting i think so often we rather than connecting with the other people on stage or like my first impulse as an actor is to show the audience that i am doing something which is like the worst (laughs) way to approach something but i'm like if I just show them that I'm doing this thing, they will respond. And really, it's when you're actually doing the thing, when yeah. you're connecting with the other human, yeah. when you're making that action, when you're taking that action, that, that the audience then responds. And you think, but I didn't feel anything. But I didn't. And that's the leap of faith, right? Because, yes. And that's the hardest part, is because even all these years, like, it's a leap of faith, because mm-hmm. just doing Boeing Boeing, there was a, a time where I was getting a little too showy, <laughs> and the audience was responding. And I was like, oh, good, this is great. You know, I'm doing the thing, and they're liking the thing. And then I got a note from Philip, the stage manager, who was also the assistant director. He's like, you can pull that back. And then you're like, but, 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 but I know that thing is working if I do the thing. And he's like, trust me, if you don't do that, it's going to work as well. And then he was 100% right. You know, it was Craig's original direction. Keep it mellow. Keep it back foot. Keep it deadpan. (laughs) And then that got even more of a response. But it's such a leap of faith because you're like, I can, oh, look, I feel them responding. And isn't that great? And that yummy? I love that. I love that leap of faith. I, I really feel like like art acting, all art, is like a leap of faith. You're like, I'm, I'm trying this thing, I'm putting it out there, and I'm hoping that someone responds. Uh, and it's terrifying. Yeah, it is. It's very It's, it's very really scary. terrifying. Yeah. Because every time you do it, that's one time that's gone. Mm-hmm. And oh, well, like, yeah, especially with acting. With acting. It's like, okay, now that show's gone. That didn't work, or that did work. And you're like, but I... I could have made it better. I could have made, made it better. Made yeah, you know, like I could... Ugh. So, yeah, there's that 
you're constantly moving through this living thing that will at some point not exist anymore. It's scary and sad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's different, too. So as an actor, I get to live in it a little longer. Mm -hmm. As a director, you sort of have to, like, you're like the dad running behind the kid on a bike, and you're like, okay, hands off, hands off. You're doing it on your own. You're doing it on your own. How do you negotiate that? Like, that moment of, like, <sighs> I have to be done with it? Do you just know? Or, like, when do you, how do you negotiate that? Oh, I'm terrible at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a director who who works up until the very last minute. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I make the people that I work with crazy uh, because I'm very, I'm hyper detail-oriented, I'm very specific, and I think that if we have that time, let's use that time, right? Um, and, you know, my, my most recent directing project was Silent Sky, mm -hmm. and that was insanely gratifying. That was insanely fulfilling. Um, for so many reasons, but it was one of the most collaborative experiences I've ever had. And so letting that go was basically impossible. Anytime that I was in the theater while that show was performing, I would either go into the stage manager's booth or stand at the top of the stairwell for the last 10 minutes and sob tears rolling down my face every time. Um, so that is, so, and I've never directed anywhere else other than the common wheel. So to have that experience is really lovely. Like to watch the growth and the progression from opening night to closing, you know, it's just so beautiful. It's really lovely. And it's so fulfilling. I could, I don't know if I could be one of those directors that who like went to opening night, then got on a plane and like went back home. I'd be like, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> on the phone with the stage manager every night. How did yeah. it go? How did it go? Um, so, so yeah, you're like that yeah. parent who runs behind the bike the whole way. I'm running. You do it so good. <laughs> and I do. I come back into the dressing room crying. You guys had such a good show. It was so good. <laughs> So funny. <laughs> Hashtag clingy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clingy mom was a helicopter mom. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I think as an actor, it's hard enough to let go of a show and let go and like let go of all the little things. But I, I haven't directed too many things. Uh, I actually had a, I had a really hard time watching. I directed Amish product project out at Festival Ooh. Theater, and I directed that with Rachel. Yeah. And I was like. I had such a hard time because every time I watched it, I would like, it wasn't anything she was doing because I actually thought she was no. doing like it amazingly, but I was like, I was constantly scanning the audience and to be like, are they getting this? What are they doing? Are they responding how I wanted them to, you know? And so eventually I was just like, I was so tense, so much more tense than I was ever have been as an actor. I was so tense that I had to be like, okay, you can't watch this anymore. Like take yourself out of it. Not because I was worried about the play, but because I'm like, I was like parenting the audience yeah. almost. Like, just like, please, uh, Be there with okay, them. no, no, take a step back. Okay, <laughs> don't laugh at this because you'll laugh at the next thing more. I was like so hovery over the yeah. audience that I felt like, okay, it's going to be better for everyone if I'm just not like pacing in the back. The whole <laughs> that time. is a little distracting. I will say, though, I totally understand how you feel because for the, the page to stage first reading of Silent Sky... I had to leave the room. I was in the lobby listening, but I was, I, I was like, if they don't laugh at these jokes and they're not, you know, like I was just pacing and I thought I can't be, I cannot 
be a part of this particular thing this viscerally because it is like a parent, you know, watching your kid, you know, the first time they have a solo on the oboe or whatever, and you're like, ah, ah, we practice that at home. Oh, you're good. And you're just kind of like halfway getting out of your seat, halfway reaching for something, halfway wanting to like, oh, please. It's so true. The physical energy is palpable. Oh, it, yeah. yes. It yeah. very much is. It, it, yeah. And at least when you're an actor, you have something to do with it. Yeah. You know, like Somewhere the to physical channel energy is, is yeah. palpable. It's, yeah. You have it. You can like walk across the stage. <laughs> As a director, you're kind of just like twitching. Twitching and, and bouncing in the, the back. Yeah. No one wants to sit next to the director no, in a show. No. No. And especially, oh, if you have friends in the audience and they're sitting next to you and you're just thinking, this is all just too much energy. This is too much emotion right now. <laughs> Alan Bailey came to the opening, I think it was the opening of Silent Sky, and he was sitting next to me. And I just, oh, because I, well, I, I adore Alan's direction. I think he's yeah. one of the best directors I've ever worked with. And I adore him as a friend and a person, as, as a theater artist. And I, like, I thought, just let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go that he's there. Let it go, you know. But it's hard. It's like when you're an actor and your parents are in the audience. Oh, yeah, you're oh. always aware. Yeah. You're always aware of yeah. stuff. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> directing, you've got me all worked up a little bit, just <laughs> even remembering all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be fun. I can't wait. I honestly I can't, can't wait. Because yeah. uh, I've read the script. I love, I love the, as a theater artist a script you've read and then when you don't have anything to do with it and then you see it and you just see how vastly different it is from page to stage uh, yeah uh, from page yeah. to stage yeah which is conveniently uh, <laughs> you know a thing we give our audiences as well but yeah. like you really go in and you see like this is so different things that you didn't even imagine yeah. are suddenly in place and like shining before you yeah it. it's perfect i love that i love having nothing to do with the show here at the commonwealth um, yeah. I didn't have anything to do with Sanders. Same anything. Here. And I sat in that audience and I just was like, I don't know, I was transcended. It was so beautiful and so fun. And I was like, oh, they all did this. And it, you know, you're part of the team, but at the same time, it was just really powerful. Oh, yeah. I had the exact same experience because I, I like, I stayed away from it as yep. much as I could because Rachel was performing it and I wanted to like see it with fresh eyes. I actually saw it for the first time with my mom. And I must have laughed the entire time. Yes. I and I just loved it. I loved it so yeah. much. And so then afterwards, when you know your fellow actors and the company members are like, "What did you think? Was it okay?" You know, like yeah. as they an want actor, the critique. You always have like doubts. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I was just an audience member, and I was swept away. Yep. And like, I think that is rare as a theater artist to just be an audience member. And you know what's really funny? That was one. That is one of the most visceral memories I have. Of being at the Commonweal. I started here in 2001. I did uh, Enemy of the People, and then um, I came back to see art. And I had nothing to do with it. Uh, it was Howe and Eric Knudsen and Eric Bunge. And I was blown away by this production of art. I didn't know the script. I didn't know anything about it. And I remember sitting in this, in the St. Main, like two or three rows back, and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a part of this company. Like, this is a challenging script. It's a great script. They're doing an amazing job. 
there, the theater is full with people who are here to see a play about a blank white canvas. <laughs> and I was like overwhelmed, overwhelmed by that. I still can, I can see the scene. I can see it in my mind's eye. I can hear it. I can hear the audience. It was such a visceral, it made such a visceral impact on me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that feeling. Yeah. You know, a uh, little tidbit about me. Art was the very first thing I directed. I directed a scene from it in college, and it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. I knew nothing and about direction. It was terrible. <laughs> I barely knew anything about acting. It was, it was very bad. Uh, it was, Live and learn. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And thank, thank goodness that that happened. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian, for bringing back yeah. that horrible memory for me. Yeah. No, no. I'm glad it was good here, because I think it is lovely script, which is what you're attracted to when you're a younger artist. You yeah. see something that you love, but then you don't quite know how to yeah. navigate to getting it up. Right. Okay, I, I wanna, we we could talk about directing and, and that, I, I feel like all day, but I do, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, so last podcast <laughs> I talked with Jeremy, uh, we talked about auditions, and Jeremy uh, shared this little tidbit with me that like, you uh, hate going to auditions, you don't like doing it. And so he took over for you, and it's been something he's done for the past like three or four years with how Hal and Jeremy go do these auditions. But I would be remiss if I didn't follow up on this and ask, what, why don't you like going to auditions? Because I, I really enjoy it. But I, I'm, I'm always curious to hear what your perspective. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> okay, here's the true fact about me. I am a weird actor who actually enjoys doing an audition. I enjoy auditioning. I have fun. Yeah. I just assume that I'm not going to get it. And so, of course, you know, mind you, I haven't auditioned since right. I've gotten here 20 years ago. <laughs> um, but I always liked them because it made me feel like I was doing something. Yeah. As an auditor, as a producer, I spin out into such a codependent frenzy that I just can't handle it. Like... I want there I want everybody to be so good. You talk about like that dad chasing the kid on the bike. Mm-hmm. I am so I get so emotionally worked up by them, by the auditioner and if they go up on a line or if they are sweaty or if they are like it is too much for me to handle that. And I just want them I want everybody to be so good and like you know there's that saying like, well, you know, directors always want you to be the answer to their prayer. And it's true. I just want every single person to be fabulous. And I want, but if like they pick the wrong piece or if it goes over time, like I just, you know, you with the updos, if you right, go over two minutes, right, somebody strict. interrupts your monologue and goes, time. And I would want to race down to the stage and be like, it's okay, it's okay, Terry, or whoever your name is, it's fine, you're good. Or like if somebody goes up and forgets their lines, I want to be like, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay, we can start again, we can start again, that's good. And I I just get, I get too whacked out nervous. I get too whacked out nervous. And I get, I feel all these things that I don't feel when I'm actually auditioning, you know? (laughs) And so, and also then I also get like all freaked out if like they pick a script that is completely inappropriate or totally wrong for them or if I have to sit through like something really violent or... Right, or a lot of profanity. Or a lot of profanity. with profanity and that always turns me off right Yeah, and then I'm like, uh... And also, I mean, I don't sit still well, anyone who knows me. So it's like 72 hours of sitting 
still. I'm just watching people over and over again. And it went if or when they fail, I just look out. Look, I'm I'm like yeah, sweating already. You are actually getting nervous right now talking about it. Like you're I'm fidgeting, fidgeting so much. You're wiping your palms on on your pants. I mean, it's just very like you're literally getting nervous. Just thinking about it. Which thinking is... about watching a thousand people audition makes me sweat profusely, as Malin would say in Steel Magnolias. She does sweat profusely. Oh, oh, that, so that's why I can't go. That I is, can't go. That is fair. That is fair. So, you, so you're very happy that Jeremy... Yeah. I love to listen to the stories when they come mm -hmm. back. Um, and believe me, I would love to go. And I and I will go someday, but I don't know. I just, yeah. It's just were callbacks bad. as bad for you? You know, so like the process after the audition, you called no. people back. Callbacks were no. easier because you could yeah. like work with them? Well, yeah. And I mean, callbacks, you have the the opportunity to read with someone and how it gives direction. But even then, I'm like, what, you know, like I always jump in and I'm like, well, what he means is, and they're like, yeah, we know what he means. I'm like, okay. And well, and that's the thing too, you know, I just did a bunch of auditions up in the Twin Cities and I was the reader yeah. uh, for Born Yesterday. And after every person left, I was like, was I okay? Did I give them what they needed? Like, I don't, did I overshine them? Because I don't want to, like, overstep. I don't want to be too much. I don't want to be... But, like, did I give them something to play <laughs> off of? And Hal and Craig, the director, were looking at me like, this is not about you. I'm like, I know, but I just wanted to make sure they felt comfortable. <laughs> oh Trying God. so hard. To Trying so hard. That you made them feel the uncomfortable, there, right? Yeah. They're like, I hope I don't have to act with that wackadoodle. Because <laughs> she's a spaz. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that this is your reaction to auditions because it, it, is, it is really fascinating. I, I really feel like so much more relaxed behind the table, oh, you know, because you you get to make, you, you know, ultimately get to make the decision. Well, I know, sure. and that's too much, too. You know, that is too much pressure. <laughs> that, that is true. Like, you could feel like you've made the wrong decision, and then you have to work with that person for, like, you know, here the runs are really long, so oh, it's literally, yeah. it's like three yeah. months. And, and then having to, to tell somebody, yeah. That's like nine months. Ten months, yeah. Ten months. And then having to tell somebody that they didn't get the part, oh, God, no. No, I just can't do it. I hear Hal doing it. You know, thank you so much for your time. We've decided to go in a different direction. And I'm like, but we, but you were really good. I don't want you to think that <laughs> don't stop right. you're just keep not going. ready. Keep going. You were really good. You were really funny. You're just not the right type in air quotes. And it's, yeah. Wow. No, no, no. Okay, well, it's... Glad that you don't do it anymore because we have enough around here to make us nervous as it is. Exactly. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Well, good. I'm glad I asked about that. Thank you, Jeremy. Did say that, and uh, that is something really. That's really fascinating. And we're also, you know, we're also different. And it's funny as a director, you would think that that would be a thing for me. Right. The, but uh, it's different, too, here at the Commonwealth because we cast within the company yeah, so right, often. Right, But you kind right. of already, when you think of a show, you kind of already have people in mind. Right. And know? if you, you know, and we're really open here. So when you cast somebody that is uh, against type, you know, in air quotes, um, you've all talked that through. And it's mm -hmm. like we're, we're putting you in this role because you, we want you to grow in this direction mm -hmm. and we want you to take these risks and try these different things. So there's a common vocabulary that we're all using mm -hmm. that you, yeah. And here, you know, at the company, if you don't get on a show, you're still, 
in the company. So it's like you're not like right. really rejected. You and just... you'll be in the other four shows. Yeah, exactly. You've got plenty to work on. Yeah, exactly. yeah absolutely. And it, yeah, it's a completely different, completely different situation than being. And also, yeah, I mean, I, I really feel for these artists who you get up on stage, you're one of a thousand, you get two minutes. It's like, so short. It's, it's insane. So, it is a really weird way to it is. hire people. Or to make a living. Impressive. I mean, that's what your job is. The one thing that you have control of is getting yourself to that audition. That's the only thing as an actor you have control of. And then you're like, okay, this, so this is my job, is to fly to Memphis, buy the right outfit, memorize the two pieces, be and prepared. be one of a thousand other people. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It is it totally is. And it's actually one of the fun things about... I, although I will say, I enjoyed auditioning as well. Yeah. But it is one of the fun things about being in the company. Yeah. Is that you're like, yeah, I get a part next year. I know I get a part. <laughs> I don't have to audition. And that's okay. That's great. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's one other thing I want to touch on. So I, 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 we could gab all day, but I do want to touch on... So we're, we're in the middle of this 2020 season. We haven't even... We barely even started. The Fox <laughs> is rehearsing. The Apprentice Show is rehearsing. Um, and we've got five shows and two wheelhouses coming up yet. And yet, as uh, theater people uh, are wont to do, we're looking ahead to the 2021 season already. Um, so we've got this book club that we've been reading plays, which has actually been really, really fun. Really fun, yeah. And then we were talking about all these plays. But I don't know. There's a little weirdness about that. Do you feel like it's weird to be, um, to be not even doing 2020 season and already looking forward to 2021? Or is it just like, that's just what we have to do that's necessary, you know? It's both of those things. I mean, I, I do think it's really weird that I'm so entrenched in plays and I haven't even started rehearsal for the play that I'm doing. I'm like, I gotta go pay attention to that play. Um, but I know how important, I mean, we used to not do it this way at all. I mean, we used to be like right up to the gun. Mm -hmm. of picking shows and that is really stressful and so having the luxury of picking it like picking 10 shows and putting 10 shows on the table and being like okay well we all read 30 plays and now we're down to 15 and now we're down to 10 um there's a lot of uh space that allows for a lot of constructive conversation Mm-hmm. which I I love that, to be like, okay, well, what about this? If we put this in three, in slot three, what are we going to put in slot one? And, okay, so how do we feel that? And we have so many logistics to think of insofar as cast size, cast gender makeup, um, what is the tone of the play, where does that play fit best in? Yeah. Um, so it's really nice to have some time and to know that we're not, like, racing, you know, because there's been years where it's been really late in the game. And then, and then tensions kind of start to, and then those really awesome collaborative artistic conversations that we all love become, but there's five people, there's 72 people, (laughs) there's all men, we need more women. Um, So this has been nice. Do you remember a season where it was up against the wire? Do you remember like what season? Yeah, they were, yeah, there were, I mean, I would say even into, even insofar as being in this building, we used to be up against the wire, like, 2008, 2009. Yeah. 
2010. And then the other thing that's interesting is that um, something has shifted in the last five to seven years, sort of across the country, but really up in the Twin Cities where people are booking a year in advance. Yeah. So if we have a director in mind that we want to do a show or we have an actor in mind that we want or a designer, um, what started happening was we would pick a show six months out try to get the director and they'd be like I've been booked for a year and a half and you're like whoa okay Um, so that is part of it too is where we've really tried to stay in pace with what is happening in the rest of the region so that we can hire and cast and get the the people that we know we want to work with and so that was really almost in a way was mandated by what's happening out there in yeah. the rest of the, the region and the world. People are booking so far in advance. I've noticed that too. A big theater culture shift. Yes. Where they've kind of shifted over into almost almost two years in advance yes. sometimes. It feels yes. like. Because you have to be thinking about it that far in advance. Right. To get that person. I mean, I bet you if you were willing to talk to any of our friends up in the cities who are actors and directors, they're booked almost a year, if not more, in advance. Mm-hmm. And... So we're going to get, we kind of like need to get our greedy little paws in there, you know, (laughs) and say, we want to do this show and we want you to direct it or we want you to lighting design it or we want you to costume. Oh my gosh, costume designers. There's like four costume designers (laughs) in the world. (laughs) And so you really need to be ahead of the game. Um, And then all of a sudden what happens is like you pick your five shows or whatever and then you realize that everyone else in the world is doing doing the same same show. And you're like, how did that happen? Happen. Yeah. Well, there's only again. There's so there's certain it's trends a finite and amount. Plays, yeah. And then it happens, and you're like, ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> what are we gonna but do then now? we're lucky because we are so far away from everything mm-hmm. else that it's it's always going to be a little bit different. Well. Yeah. 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 I I feel like this is like an exercise in what is something fairly unique to the Commonwealth. I think it happens other places too. But this is the whole like artist administrator model, mm-hmm. and I'm really learning. Like it started back when I was working at festival theater in. Wisconsin, but it's like splitting those two brains yes. and you're like I have to be an artist and I have to be focusing on the show that I'm working on this season uh, I ought to be in pictures is coming up for you so you're like I have to be an artist I have to focus on that and I also like have to split my brain into two and be an administrator and my administrator is like we need to get this stuff out now we need to start thinking about 2021 now and it's such a weird thing like when I'm just an actor going around from place to place that administrator brain is gone. I just yeah. I just focus on actor brain. And I like getting a job, keeping a job, finding the next job. But with yeah. the administrator, you really have to think like very differently and very far out. And, and it's really strange because it's kind of cool because what happens is you find yourself really excited for a long time. Like <laughs> you know, like we had the photo shoot last week, yeah. and I got so excited. About a Christmas Carol, and I got so excited about Doubt, yeah. And I was like, "That is a bajillion years from now, All right. and there is so much life to be lived, <laughs> so many performances to go through and do." But it's kind of cool because then you're like, you're energized and you're jazzed for like a whole year by your job, and that kind of lights that fire. And so now when we're sitting at marketing team meetings and we're talking about well, when we're talking about, you know, marketing Born Yesterday, yeah. and we had such a great time in that photo shoot for Born Yesterday, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's get everybody in here to see this amazing show. Um, so it's kind of cool. So it kind of infuses 
that it infuses you with energy for that whole year. And yet at the same time, you're sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon trying to read scripts for 2021. <laughs> and you're like, I've got to do work on I Ought to Be in Pictures. Right. And it's like, it's so many scripts in my hand. Yeah, it is. It's this weird balancing act that you yeah. have to sort of perform. And I can't say that I'm good at it yet. No, no, no. <laughs> you you no. have a little more experience, so you're probably a little bit better at it. But I, I've definitely, like, I'll get caught up in one thing and realize that what's coming up next is what I need to be focusing on right now. Right. And I mean, you're in the same way. You're you're a voracious script reader, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and so knowing that you're also directing at Luther College right now, mm-hmm. and reading all these scripts for the book club, it's like your brain must just be like, hey, 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 hey. You really have to like put it in one place yeah. and put it in the next place, yeah. and put it in the next place, and just kind of focus. And on almost it. give yourself like time limits. I'm and I am not good at that. I'm not good no, I am like a person who goes down the wormhole. And frankly, if if something wins out, it's for me, it's artist brain. If something yeah. wins out, it's artist brain. Artist brain wins out, and I'll get absorbed in something, and I'll come up for air, and I'll be like, yeah. I spent way too long on that. Yeah. Way too long on that. And and I, I wonder, I, but I, I will say that working here, administrative brain has grown a little stronger. It's when you get, it's when you come in, and you're like, oh, email, and like all this little stuff that just comes up, floats yeah. up to the top, and then you can realize that you've spent an hour doing something that you had no plan on doing oh, at all yeah, today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy um, spectrum that we here at the Commonwealth exist on. Um, yeah. Because you can have every great intention in the world of doing a thing, like I'm going to work on this project today, yeah. and I'm just going to do this project, and that you don't even get to it by 4 o'clock, and you're like, no, I'm out, I'm out, I'm just going to answer these 52 emails and be done. Yeah. Which I will say from last year is like the most refreshing part of being in a rehearsal is you're like, I have to go work. I have to go be an artist. I have to go do this. And it's so nice to be able to like, I'm going to leave everything administrative at the door. I'm just going to be an artist. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the things we were talking about this morning is, you know, we've been doing marketing meetings and marketing meetings and marketing meetings and satellite marketing meetings and (laughs) sub team marketing meetings and, um, you know, knowing that, like, you're kind of, like, chomping at the bit to get back in that room uh, yeah. is really fun. It's, and I, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I love having those creative discussions with the team. You know, Jackie Johnson coming to my desk and showing me, uh, you know, a link to a cool top that she might want to put somebody in. And I love those creative, satellite creative. Yeah, like working with the customer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I am I'm kind of chomping at the bit for the 2020 yeah. season to start. I have to say, I, I'm happy to look forward to 2021, but yeah. I'm kind of ready for. Yeah. Uh, I hope you all out there are excited for 2020 as well. And 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for talking with me today. Oh my gosh! This thank you so great. much. This was really great fun. Yeah. I would like to come back. Uh yeah, we'll have you on. <laughs> again. To buy tickets to any Commonwealth Theater show. Yes, they are still happening this year. Or to donate, any amount is helpful in this time. Please head to commonwealththeater.org. As a small local arts organization, we need your support. Once again, I'm Josiah Lobenstein, and thanks so much for listening. Stay safe.